Welcome back to Wake Up Winden, and we are talking about Dark, Season 2, Episode 5, Lost and Found. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jerry. Jerry, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Ready to get found. <laughs> right yeah. on. So, this is a pretty pretty good episode again. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Woke up early to watch it. And there's a ton of big stories going on right here. I almost don't know which one to start with. Noah and uh, Charlotte meeting for the first time. We have Adam and Jonas meeting up for the first time. Uh, not meeting up for the first time, but continuing their discussion. Um, and Jonas eventually gets in the God particle. Where do you want to start this morning, Jer? Yeah, you know, I think we could start with Adam and Jonas, right? I think that's kind of the first main one that kind of comes about during the episode. Um, it's really creepy when Jonas wakes up and Adam's watching him. I think that's kind of a, a creepy starting point. <laughs> it is creepy. And then... For the show it, and the episode. Really creepy. And I want to ask you something. I wanted to try this. Uh, without doing any math in your head, just first instinct, how old is Adam? Uh, I think he's like 89. Yeah, isn't that why. isn't that old? Like, I, I, like, uh, I, yeah. don't, like, I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, uh, he's, in like his, he's supposed to be in his mid-80s, like... I just think that would be, he, like, him pulling all these strings, orchestrating this plan. I think that's a little far-fetched. Yeah, he, and, you know, he seems pretty spry. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he kind of walks around gingerly, but he's still walking. There's no cane, right? Like, he he doesn't, like, um, he doesn't really, like, lumber when he gets up. Like, he gets up pretty easily, you know, from sitting. I, I feel like he, he's... He seems like he's okay for that type of age, if he's in the mid-80s, if, if, if we're right, you know, yeah. just on general gut. And I wonder if part of the reason that they made the choice to kind of give him the face that has been, you know, twisted and turned somehow, um, is because if he was, you know, a true 85-year-old to 89-year-old walking around, it might just be a little bit hard to believe, I don't know, um, or it might just hard be hard to believe his age. But I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, Adam's really old. Uh, how is he doing all this? It's true. It's true. But we, we shouldn't, um, we, we should be mindful that older people can accomplish quite a bit, you know? No, they absolutely um, can. You know, it's, it's not, yeah. They absolutely can. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying, like, he just moves around so easily, like you're saying. And um, I don't know. It just, it, it just, it just seems like a lot to be doing for him right now. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. Okay. He, he, he's not doing it alone, right? I mean, I think I think that's the key. Is you, 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 he's not in that big mansion by himself, right? I mean, for sure, Noah's there, younger Noah. Like, there, there've got to be other people in addition to that. He's got to have a team, right? You know, um, clearly, he's made a lot of money. I think that attracts people because um, uh, when he's talking to, to Jonas, he talks about, like, I know when stocks to invest in, when things will go, you know, good versus when they go bad. So obviously, with that knowledge, when wars will begin and end, when you have that, you can make a lot of, well, a lot of wealth. You can, you know, you can accumulate money um, with that knowledge, right? And I think that's what anyone would do if you knew the future, right? I mean, I think you would do it, I would do it. I mean, that's just kind of natural, right? Right, right. And that kind of explains, you know, the nice mansion and the, you know, the perfect uh, diagram of the family tree that looks very expensive to have made. So I guess that all tracks. Yep. Um, you know, I guess maybe I'll just turn it around on Adams uh, that I, instead of, you know, being mean about his age, let me, let me go, go at it this way. 
you know, he looks like a man in his 60s. Yeah, I think, I, let me compliment him. He's, <laughs> he's doing a good job. He's, <laughs> he's doing great, yeah. He's, he's, really, he's really got things going for him. <laughs> yeah. But I just, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I, 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 it just kind of hit me in this episode. I just had never thought about it before, and I was like, wait a minute. But um, anyway, <laughs> we can we can move on from that. Uh, he's uh, He's got some amazing quotes, I think, in this episode. When he tells them that we're all ticking away, we're all like grains of sand, like the hourglass from the moment we're born, uh, you know, that hits, right? I mean, that's, uh, and he says a few more profound things in this episode. I really liked, you know, the conversation he had with Jonas, and especially, you know, on a rewatch. I know we're uh, not spoiling anything here, but it's, it is cool just to see the pieces on a rewatch, right? It is. And, and you know, um, when I think back to these scenes, I, I guess in my mind, I was like, that's just one big episode, right? And then you kind of forget that it's actually a conversation that's spread out over a couple of episodes, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't relax anything. You know, it, it, all, it all fits together very easily and seamlessly in my mind, um, even rewatching it. All the, all the scenes together with Jonas and Adam, or, you know, Jonas himself, really, really fit well. Um, and the, the thing that's really interesting is you can really get a sense from Adam that his enemy is time, right? And he said, and he, he kind of makes it religious by saying God is time and I'm fighting God and that mm-hmm. type of thing. But really his enemy is time. I mean, he is focused on time and that is what he's been doing for the, the past, you know, over 66, you know, 80 years, whatever it is. That's what he's, that's his focus, right? And it's very clear when he's talking. That's what he's. That's what he's working on. Yeah, he t- he says that time is not compassionate, and I was kind of laughing a little bit when he was talking about this because I was imagining like Jonas's reaction to this when he says, because Jonas asked him, "Is this a religion?" Like you're saying, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm fighting. T- uh, God is time, and I'm fighting. I'm fighting God." <laughs> and like Jonas is like, "Okay, <laughs> good luck with that." <laughs> you know, it just seems like a yeah. losing battle, right? I mean, how are you going to beat time? How are you going to beat God? So. I just, uh, seems, it seems like an impossible uphill battle. You know, and part of it, from my standpoint, when I'm listening to Adam, he kind of is like, okay, is this a religion? And then Adam kind of goes, well, yeah, it is, because time is God, and we're fighting time. Like, and it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to loop it in somehow. It doesn't really feel like a real religion. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Point. It's just like, no, I'm going to call it God time, and I'm, go- I'm going against time. Like, that, that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to loop him in here. Like, that type of thing, right? Yeah, even though Adam had, you know, 66 years to work on, you know, his Bible, I think he might want to, um, you know, spend a few more years crafting it. That's, Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, it ends up, right, that so at, when Adam's talking to Jonas, they end up, uh, you know, the whole conversation is geared toward Jonas is going to go somewhere, right? Jonas is going to do something. Right. And they uh, have a more stable God particle, right? Than the one that Jonas, the twin that Jonas went through in the future. Uh, what do you think about the difference between those two? Yeah, you know, it, it looks very similar to the one in the future, mm-hmm. right? But Adam clearly has a grasp on it. He, he knows how to manipulate it pretty easily. I mean, when he went over to that little machine and started tweaking things, it seemed like he had done that, you know, more than 100 times, right? Or well, what's... What's the Malcolm Gladwell? How many times you need to do something? Uh, like Ten thousand hours. Right? Whatever, whatever that number is, mm-hmm. he'd done it, <laughs> right? I mean, 
he certainly know how to uh, knew how to manipulate the god particle, right? Yeah, he has his ten thousand hours of time travel. That's good. Ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got he's logged those. Yeah, that, that's that's for sure, right? Right, right. And, you know, he studied the Higgs fields. I know that's something. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. My only experience with this, uh, I read Angels and Demons when I was you know a teenager. The uh, the Dan Brown book, and he, they talk about dark yeah. matter in that, and uh, it's kind of like the only other thing I'm familiar with, I guess, where it talks about, I guess, the dark matter, or the god particle. I just thought I thought it was interesting how this one is stable. I think the one that Jonas went through in the future, I think that one was still, you know, shaking, twisting, turning the whole time, and this one, you know, he, like you said, he can just set it to a certain time. It seems like the most advanced version of time travel, right? It doesn't follow the 33-year rule. So, I don't know, it's kind of convenient, right? The writers are like, okay, this one, this time, this one can go anywhere, but oh, it's okay. I'm not hating on the show. I think, you know, I think part of it is when he goes to it and goes through it in the future, it felt like there was a limited amount of time and you didn't know when it was going to go back to being unstable. So he kind of just does it. Mm-hmm. Like it almost was a door that's closing and he needed to run in run through it before it closed, right? Yep. Versus in this time, this episode, it's essentially a door that doesn't have, you know, it's a, a doorway without a door. Like, <laughs> you, you just felt like Adam could just control it completely, and there wasn't any sort of urgency there. He's putting on, like, the suit, and mask, and all that other stuff. There's not like a, oh, this is my op, I need to go, I need to take it, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, it was good. It was good that he had protection at least this time with that suit. So I was glad to see. Glad to see that it looked a little safer. Yeah. Um, so with uh, with the suit on, right? So it's interesting. Right before that, he's talking about you know when when should he go, and he ends up. Uh, Jonas brings up the idea that he wants to go back to June twentieth, two thousand nineteen, the day before everything happened. Uh, so right. Um, so talk about this a little bit, Jer. What do you think about this one? I will. I think right before that is a really interesting scene in which Jonas eventually confronts Adam and says, mm-hmm. why have you not changed anything? Mm-hmm. You have all these powers. You have all this ability. Why have you not changed anything? And Adam doesn't refute him in saying, like, look, I have a plan X, Y, Z to change things. Or, you know, I have changed things because of X, Y, Z. He simply doesn't answer him. And then he goes over to these blueprints for these different machines and, and says, like, look, Every one of these is built on, you know, the other. And you see the chair that we've seen with Noah. And you see other devices that, you know, all look like, you know, futuristic kind of time machine-y devices. He doesn't answer them, though. He, he never gives them a straight answer. And he doesn't respond to that question. He, he kind of like, hey, let's look at stuff on the wall instead of responding directly to Jonas, right? Yeah, he's uh, so like the politician move, like answer the question you want yep. to answer, right? And he uh, he like loves loves his time travel, right? He's like, look at all this, look at all these cool ways we can go back in time. So yeah, he totally ignores Jonas' uh, question, um, and you know he's he's he, he we get the impression he's this puppet master, right? So yeah, uh, he's been doing that to Noah, it seems like, and he's been doing it to Jonas, and uh, he it's just hard to trust him, right? And he's Jonas is going back for what purpose? And Jonas seems to come up with a purpose himself, right? He does. And it seems like Adam just goes, you're exactly right. You go and do that. Like, And I feel like as a viewer, who trusts that, right? I mean, like, 
you know, who who's like, yeah, Jonas figured it out, and Adam's giving him the thumbs up, the rubber stamp, let's do it, and that all makes sense. Like, no, Adam's a master manipulator. You know, Noah's been doing things for him this entire time. We're pretty sure of that. And, you know, how, how, how can we not be sure that, you know, Adam's going to manipulate Jonas, right? I mean, why would he not? Right. You know? Um, <laughs> right. And that's the feeling I get, at least when I'm watching it. No, totally. And Adam says that he found a loophole, right? But I don't think he ever tells Jonas what that loophole is. Like, I know that he can send, maybe the loophole is just that he can send him back somewhere. But he doesn't really give Jonas, like, a hint. He just says that he needs to give things a push. So if I'm yeah. Jonas, like, I'm like, can you be a little more clear with that? Can you, uh, I need I need a little more direction here. I mean, obviously, Jonas has been through a lot. There's, there's you know, uh, there's a lot of questions he could ask. But certainly he should have pushed more on that. What type of push? Can we talk about the push? <laughs> yeah. What does the push mean? Like, yeah, what do you remember you know, from that? <laughs> um, yeah, at least I, I think I would. I, I just so we're sh- just so we're sure <laughs> right before you leave. Just so we're just so we're one hundred percent clear before I go into this black hole. I've <laughs> yeah. already been through one. What what pushes are we talking about? What changes are we making here? I just like, if I could write them down, that would be great. Yeah. you know that type of thing. Yeah, could you could, could I have your could you text me? Does does this thing work through time? I don't know, but. Yeah, this is uh, this is really he's really casual about it. He's not, not no looking back. He's just going for it at this point. What the hell, I guess. Yeah, but, totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, like we said, there's a lot going on in this episode, but Jonas and Adam, I do think that's the top story. And uh, Jonas, uh, it'll be cool to see what happens in the next episode when he ends up uh, hopefully on June twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Absolutely. I mean, you're watching this episode and you see him go into that black hole. You're very excited for the next time we see younger Jonas. I mean, that is, uh, it's the biggest, you know, it's one of the, the bigger cliffhangers, you know, is, is making sure that he goes back to that day and seeing what happens right, right before his father dies. Are we going to see a world where he stops his father from committing suicide? What's that world going to look like? Is that going to solve all the issues? You know, like you're, you're asking these questions as you're watching the show and, and there's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of excitement um, and, and, and a lot of, um, you know, kind of a, how can you not just start watching the next episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's a very bingeable show and especially I think the second half of season two is, uh, it really ramps up and all these episodes kind of feel connected to, I know you were talking earlier about how you were like, the, I thought that was all one big episode, but yeah, I mean, it is, right? I mean, uh, it, it flows so well that, you know, you could just have sit down in a single viewing, and I think it would be really rewarding to, to do that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so more big scenes. How about this Noah Noah meeting up with Charlotte? Um, was that in her grandpa's old clock studio, or where was that? Yeah, I think it was uh, H.G. Tanhouse's right. old shop. Okay, right? cool. Old clock shop. She finds a picture of him, him and her there, right? And Noah ends up yep. coming in there. And I mean, it's 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 got to be scary, right? Through this through through this point, I mean, the silhouette of Noah has been really ominous and really you know not good for anybody who really comes across him, with you know some, a few exceptions. Right, and and you're in an abandoned store. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's not a lot of windows. You're in the back room. I mean. He can kill you. Yep. I don't know who'd find you. Yeah. Like, I mean, certainly the smell at some point, but I mean, he'd be in another time by that by that time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like 
if you're her, you got to be super worried. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was fearful for her watching the show. And yeah. she, you could tell the, the fear on her face. She's not, and she's not really listening to Noah either. She gets kind of more fearful and confused as he continues to talk. I mean, he's not doing anything to help. I think he takes off <laughs> the hat. That helps a little bit, but really not that much to put her at ease in the yeah. situation. People never do anything to help their situation at, at the beginning of these big conversations. It's like, I feel like they got to lead with something else. Same thing with Ulrich and Mikkel later. Precious seconds were wasted. We'll get to that later. But um, but I, I do feel yeah. like, you know, yeah, like, no, like, I come out with the news that uh, I'm your, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I guess, like, I'm your father, right, at the, at the beginning of, of this conversation. But, um, I, you know, the, the Polaroid he shows her. I was thinking, I was like, you know, that could be any old baby, right? I mean, uh, what what proof is this <laughs> that that's Charlotte? There, there is no proof, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, she knows this. Charlotte knows that. You know, she knows that Noah could just be a crazy person, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That, that That's just kind of saying that, no, I'm your father, even though we're the same age and, right. you know, X, Y, Z. Like, you know, <laughs> right. much of point. the conversation, I feel like when I watch that scene again, um, having watched the entire show, just... You know, when we were rewatching season two, you get the feeling that Noah is convincing himself of things as opposed to communicating with Charlotte. Don't you? I, I mean, I get that feeling. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because he's telling, he, he, he does tell Charlotte that, you know, it's Adam's fault and he wants to kill Adam, right? Yeah. And, and I almost feel like that's almost an internal conversation he's yeah. having out loud. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I think he's trying to convince, like you said, he's trying to convince himself that he wants to, or that he's going to do that, too. And I think he thinks that yep. that's going to make everything right. That hopefully uh, that will, you know, get Charlotte back and um, things would, I, I mean, you know, with the time travel, it's it's just, it's hard, it's hard to keep these things straight. But I think that uh, Noah thinks that'll help, not just that it's revenge, that it might change things, right? Yes. And he, you know, and Charlotte asked the, the one important question, right? Mm-hmm. Who is my mother? Yes. I mean, if you're my father, who is my mother? And Noah, of course, responds with, she loved you and she still loves you and that's it and that we don't know anything more than that yeah. so answer that's, the question that's kind of all we're given there right yeah, absolutely does the a lot of avoiding uh, a lot of avoiding questions with answering a different question in this episode oh oh a ton, a ton <laughs> i mean just a ton of lies and um kind of not answering questions right i mean we, we have the the interview with Alexander and Hannah, like, I mean, there's, there's so much dodging here. <laughs> oh yeah. No, they, yeah. Dodgy Dodgersons all over the place in this town. Okay. So anything else with the Noah, Cla- Charlotte, anything else, with the Noah Charlotte conversation? I don't think so. I think it's very clear that Noah's on a path to go against Adam. He has not done this up until this point. He has been, followed Adam to the T to our understanding. He is exactly his second, you know, when we'd assume Based on what we've seen, he is his second, he's number two, right? right. Adam's number two, and he's followed Adam to this degree, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, with everything that he's done. And now he is going against him. He's made a decision, and he's going against Adam to, to, to kill him, to stop his plan, to do whatever. He is against Adam from here on out. Right, and he says he wants to do that so everyone can live, not just the people in the bunker. 
So he knows, like, there's going to be something that's going to happen in a couple days, right? The apocalypse. Don't know what that bunker is going to happen, right? I mean, he, he definitely alludes to it. He knows he knows something's going to happen. He knows about the obviously knows about the bunker, right? Because he's been you know the murdering children in there. But um, yeah, but yeah, he, yes, he's very familiar with. He's it. very familiar with the bunker for sure. So yeah, some 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 somebody some people will be in the bunker, according to Noah. It's, uh, it sounds like during the apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. I think next, in order of magnitude, could we, should we go to uh, Claudia? Claudia meeting up with Bern Doppel? Yeah, with um, Bern. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, if The first time I'm seeing this, chair, I don't know if this sticks with me as much as it does on, on a rewatch. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I, I think you, when, when I first watched this show, I realized that she was talking to a former plant you know, captain or whatever, whatever position she was in, you got the sense, whatever her title was, let's so call her CEO of the power plant. She was talking to the former CEO of the power plant. And you got that right away when they're talking. However, I did not make the connection. And now rewatching it, I totally, you know, at some point you, you keep watching more episodes, you realize, oh, wait a second, these two are the same people. But you, you know, when, when you're watching the first time, I didn't totally get that. He's the guy from the 50s that created the power plant. He's the main guy, the one behind the power plant. I didn't really catch that. Obviously, watching it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a burn. Like, you know, we, we get it. Um, but uh, but the first time, I, it wasn't 100% clear. Right, right. And he knew Claudia from the past as well in the 50s because she was friends with Helga. And uh, they would run errands together, right? Or, the you know, milk. And, and she was her, his tutor. Um, she was constantly at their house, right. right? They're very familiar with each other. Right, right, right. And uh, like you said, he's the former CEO as well. Um, that's definitely still true, yep. right? And uh, it's interesting, their conversation, because Claudia seems to want to go public with the God particle knowledge, right? And right. With, with, and I guess, okay, so my question is, if they go public with that would that make time travel available to the entire world? And if that's true, just think of the consequences that would have. It would. What's funny to me, this conversation, there is no discussion of potential moral implications of time travel <laughs> in the world knowing. And to me, that's mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of he wants to stay out of it, right? Burned, he's like, leave me out of yeah. the... So I got, like, that's the only like allusion to you know moral high ground, I guess. I think it's, leave me out of it, but more importantly, as long as I'm still alive, I don't want the power plant to be slandered because when people understand how you came to this conclusion and came to um, these, you know, these uh, conclusions, essentially, they're going to need to find out that there was an issue at the power plant and I don't want that to happen. I built this power plant with my own two hands, essentially, and I can't have that happen while I'm alive, right? So there's a little bit of pride there, sure. at least in my mind. Sure, and Claudia has a ton of pride too right i mean wouldn't you say her motivation she wants to be you know important remembered fa fa famous i don't know what do you think what wh what do you think claudia's motivation for going public with with this is you know i wonder that myself i think that's a great question i think part of it is i think when she looks at the results and he's taught and she's talking with Bert, i think that she comes to the conclusion just naturally well Everyone should know about this. Yeah, I mean, just just that's that's a gut reaction, just a natural gut reaction in my mind. I think once she talks to Burn and she kind of gets the feeling like, wait, I need to understand this. I need to, you know, truly get to the bottom of this. 
that's when she does the thing where she kind of gives a vial of it to one of her main employees and says, this is off the books. Don't talk about this, but I need you to test this. Yeah. She needs to understand more and she's starting to think about it more. She's starting to internalize it. But the gut reaction when she looks at those results is everyone needs to know about this. Yep. How can everyone not know about this? This is a, a major scientific discovery. And when you work in, in science, obviously discovering something is probably the most exciting thing that can happen, right? Yeah. Well, she would be like Marie Curie times a thousand, right? If um, this would be the biggest news right. ever. But, you know, thinking about it, right? I mean, so far, it seems like it's only in Winden. And it's a small group of people, the travelers that they call them, know about this. But they have affected so many things, right? And imagine if the whole world had access to this, how like, you got, how would we ever go forward in time? <laughs> it, would, it would be, uh, right. uh, it would be and, uh, you know, incredible, you know? I don't think when they're having this conversation, they, she knows that this is involved with time travel. I don't think Byrne does. He just knows that it's a God particle. And people have been talking about this in various forms over the course of history. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily know what, you can do with it. She knows what you can do with it. I think she's, I mean, she's putting it together, right? She will once she gets the results back from her main guy at the power plant that she gave the vial to. But I think once you kind of understand the power of the God particle and what it can do, then you have the mindset of, oh, maybe I shouldn't be sharing this. Maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah. And I think that's the conclusion she'll reach in, you know, in the next couple of episodes, right? Yeah. Well, and she's experienced it firsthand, right? She went to the future. She saw the tablets. She's like, this game Candy Crusher, it's out of control. We need to go to the future <laughs> to go to go play this game. So um, I, I don't know. I just, it's, uh, I, I think it's interesting. So like you think you said that, um, you know, Burns might not know what the God Particle is capable of. I wonder then what he thinks it is then if people have talked about it through history I wonder what the purpose would be. And I, I mean, I think that's really hard to answer, so I don't expect one, but I, I do think that's a good question to bring up. I think, in, at least from what I got from the scene, Byrne knows it's a major scientific discovery. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, you know, um, bigger than most scientific discoveries over the course of time, you know, one of the top ones, essentially. That's his understanding, um, but one that would cause, come at the cost of, the reputation of this power plant, right? Yeah. And and potentially workers of Winden, the uh, his legacy at the power plant because of the if it came out what it is, it would also come out how it was produced. Yeah. And that's the part that scares him. That's the part he does not want to come out. Right. He doesn't want his name slandered, his plant slandered. He doesn't want to get in trouble. So okay, that all makes sense. Right. All right. Let's move on. How about Ulrich? Uh, Ulrich has a busy... There's a lot going on in this episode. This could be a top story in other episodes. Ulrich, he escapes by attacking an orderly, and he ends up going to Mikkel's house. He uh, try, They almost escape together, but they are thwarted because Enos ends up uh, hearing that the madman escaped from the plant. She puts two and two together, and she gets uh, Aegon on the horn, and they end up stopping him just before he gets to the cave. So that's what happens in that storyline. What do you What do you think, Jer? What do you want to talk about with this? I mean, I think we need to talk a little bit about the conversation between Ulrich and Mikkel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And him sitting down, and he's yeah, obviously he's been locked up for a long time. He's an older man, and he actually looks like an older man and acts like an older man. So when he comes to the house, he's been running there. He's out of breath, right? He's 
he, he doesn't feel good, right? How many times has he gone for a run while being in that mental institution for years and years and years? Probably zero, right? Right. But he's, you know, he's not the way that he's not in the physical shape that he was when he got when he got put in the mental institution, obviously. So he gets there and he's out of breath, but he wants to tell he wants to tell Mikel what's going on that he's found him and he's so happy, but at the same time, his physically he can't do any of that because he's out of breath. And Mikkel, in a in a really nice gesture, realizes he needs something, he needs nourishment, and he goes and gets some orange juice, which is really sweet, um, a nice thing. He could tell that that um, Ulrich doesn't mean him harm, right? Obviously, you don't want to, you know, you teach your kids not to talk to strangers, things like that. However, with Mikkel and everything he's been through over the course of the storyline to this point, a stranger coming out of the woods wearing a medical gown or, you know, an insane asylum jacket is really kind of par for the course for him at this point. So yeah. um, he's probably not going to be frightened by it, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, and a couple of things there, too. Like He looks like Ulrich, right? I mean, he does say that he looks familiar. Yeah, and then also, you know, Mikkel's being drugged by Enos, uh, you know, mother of the year. And she is, yeah. and she is, you know, so I mean, like, he might be like, you know, having, you know, visions or hallucinations at whatever point. And this might, like you said, it might just not be out of the ordinary for him. But, you know, he... At, th- at this point, you know, this might be a hot take. Uh-huh. Mikkel might think that the orange juice always contains in their drugs. And maybe he thinks this guy needs to calm down. Right? Oh, and so he's wow. like, let me give you some orange juice. We have really good orange juice in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it always makes me feel better. <laughs> it'll help you relax. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Oh, man. Yeah, that's brutal. And also, uh, you were talking about how, like, Ulrich probably doesn't get many jogs, right? The last two times, I, I, he's probably been outside before, but, like, uh, the last two times he's been outside in the show, he's, like, stopped right before the cave. It's it's brutal. He's stopped by a gun, yeah. gunshot right before the cave. Uh, so close, but so far. Yeah, and the 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 way that it, it takes him a little bit to tell him to tell Mikkel who he is and, yeah. and for him to communicate that. Yes, but I do really enjoy the way he does it. Yeah, when he turns the cup over and he says, "It's not a matter of where, but when." You know, like I I thought that I think that's a that's a really cool scene, and I really like how the writers did that I, I think it's 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 very nice no i gotta give them they credit have hug, they have a they have an embrace and it's it's a very touching moment yeah i i agree with you i gotta give them credit for that too because that's something that you know only they would know together right and is something okay. that um they could connect them i guess my only gripe would be man if they only were like a few seconds faster they would have been gone and uh <laughs> i I, bet I read this uh read the book this book over the summer called Dead Wake. Um, it was about the Lusitania, and it was the ship that got sunk during World War One by the Germans. It was like a British ship carrying a bunch of Americans, and they were delayed because the captain, the niece, the captain's niece was on the plane, not the plane, excuse me, the ship. You know, and that delayed the takeoff by about fifteen minutes. And those fifteen minutes actually made a difference. They wouldn't have been attacked by the. Uh, they wouldn't have been in position to be attacked. So I was just like, I was just making that connection. It's just interesting. Like little seconds, if they did something just a little bit different, they could have gotten to that cave. But of course, you know that wasn't meant to be. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, that happens a lot in life. Unfortunately, yep. we can't run around and always be thinking, okay, I need to hustle and you know get to the next place because X Y Z might happen. Because what ends up happening if you do that every day is you end up kind of 
life and that's probably no way anyone wants to live but at the same time yes in this scenario like that would have worked however if he would have just grabbed Mikkel and started running with him that would not have worked no you're right Mikkel would have started yelling <laughs> yeah. he, started, he would have started screaming about like, who are you yeah and they needed to have that conversation um they, they needed to have you know, a shared drink together to relax for a moment in order to get to the point where they could move together, you know, quickly and, and quietly and peacefully um, to the cave to try and go back. Yep. No, I, I agree. Um, I know because I always want to like, I, we talked about this before, how I'd be like really frantic, but if he's frantic right there, yeah, he's going to look even crazier than he, than he looks with, uh, you know, his, his garb on too. So it's just it's just a tough it's a tough situation to be able to navigate, right? It really is. And one thing that I was thinking about while I was watching the episode, and this is my other hot take, um, would be when they catch him and he turns to Egon and he says, "This is all your fault." There's a look of kind of shock on Egon's face. My thought is, I think when Egon really thinks about it he comes to the realization that that is all his fault. Everything that happened, Mikkel being uh, taken by Ulrich, Ulrich escaping and Mikkel being taken to the cave almost uh, and, and Ulrich trying to go back, that those are all on Egon. Like, <laughs> he is the cause of that. And I think he realizes it in that moment. Uh, do you agree that, do you agree do you, with his assessment, self-assessment that it is all his fault or do you put some blame on Ulrich too? No. I, that is that was all Egon. Now listen, Ulrich going back in time and doing what he did and everything like that. That is um, that's that's not. Um, I don't put that on Egon, obviously. Uh-huh. But the the trip to go visit the cow and try and gotcha. Bring him okay, back okay, child, gotcha. That is on Egon, and I think he realizes that it's happening. Okay, I, I understand now. I, I get what you're saying. So yeah, because he introduce the picture to Ulrich and that obviously yep. something's in motion. Okay. I gotcha. And essentially explain to him that he's, he's here. Yep. Your son is here. Yep. You know, like that, that is, if he would not have done that, Ulrich would not have escaped and we would not have had this whole situation. Very true. Um, yep. Very true. That is his, that, that's on him. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, I agree. And then of course we have the, the whole, um, uh, you know, the kids coming out of the cave, they could literally go to the street and then they see the dad in the, in the car. He sees them. I don't think they necessarily, they see him. Yeah, they don't notice. They just see how old the cop cars are uh-huh. and the posters on the, the bus stop. And that's it. But you feel so bad for Ulrich when he sees them. I mean, yeah. he, like, it's just, it's a, like kicking someone when they're down. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a gut punch, you know, when he's already been knocked down and beat. I mean, it is, it's like just the extra, you know, <laughs> the extra kick or punch. Yeah, they're it, really it's twisting the knife. It? Yeah, they're twisting the knife into our backs right there um, with, with that oh, one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, one more thing on Aegon, you know, when, you know, when Enos is uh, calling him and she tells him about the, you know, Ulrich, this, the guy's gone from the madhouse. Um, you know, what's, what's Aegon doing? You know, he's asleep at the switch here. I, I like to think that he's just listening to the creator album over and over. He's like, I really like this actually. 
I really like these guys. Yeah. This is a good album, right? This is a slap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's the Ulrich storyline in this episode. And then you mentioned the teens. Let's go, let's go ahead and go to the teens. I almost let off with this chair. How about Magnus's fashion choice? Did you like his like full Belichick sleeveless sweatshirt? Would you wear this? I, you know, it, it's not my style <laughs> per se. Um, but at the same at the same time, it feels very much like a teenager. Yeah. Um, and uh, and something that I could see, you know, maybe a younger version of myself wearing or something like that. Um, what, what was really interesting, uh, I noticed one other like little little thing or subtlety in the show that I had previously missed when they needed a cell phone to. Uh, to work the time machine. Uh-huh. And um, Bartosh goes, I just need any cell phone. Uh, Martha gives her cell phone. And on the back, I always thought when he clicks open the cell phone, I thought her backdrop to her phone was like a death metal band or like something <laughs> like that. When I was looking at it again, I noticed it's the poster for her play. Yep, yep. Ariadna. Ariana uh-huh. play or whatever. And and, uh, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I just like how they did that. I thought that was really neat, and I thought that was very realistic Oh yeah, um, and made a lot of sense. The Ariadna red thread is ever-present throughout the show, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they don't let us forget. But yeah, that is cool. It does, it, I, I, like, I like what you said, how you thought it was a death metal band at first. That's cool. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, Marta, it could have it been, right? could have been, Mag- been Magnus's phone, too. Yeah, so anyway, I, I so how about this... I, they go back to Bartosz, right? And I really, I really like Francisca here. She's like really tough in this episode. She's the one that's kind of like, no, Bartosz, you're gonna die if you uh, if you don't play ball here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're they're harsh on Bartosz. Really I mean, harsh. It is. The other thing is, let's talk about this, right? He was spent the night. He spent the night in the cave. Uh-huh. No one's talking about how much he smells. He has to have at least <laughs> urinated himself multiple oh times. Oh my god! Yeah. You know. It could have been the other one, too. Like, he has to smell terrible at this point. No one really mentions that at all. Like, and, you know, if you're him, like, you got to feel disgusting. He's beat up. I mean, he should start getting infections. It's not like he's cleaned out any of his wounds from, from when he was beaten. He's been stuck in a cave with his hand tied behind his back. I mean, he's in rough shape. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he really is. And, uh, you know, he, he looks like he's in rough shape throughout the episode. But you're right, he probably would be in rougher shape than they're even showing in the show. I really feel bad for his mom. His poor mom doesn't know where he, where he is. And uh, Alexander's, you know, he, you know, Alexander was once a young Casanova, right? And he's like, oh, he's yep. just with Marta. So, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> not the case. And yeah, so like they end up, Bartosz finally gives in. And, you know, when they, I, I, I kind of like to think of like their plan, like Francisca's like, all right, I'm going to say the thing about how the human body can only survive with liquids for three days. And then Magnus, if he doesn't say anything, you pick up the time machine and then we're all going to leave, right? <laughs> you pick up the case. Yeah. But uh, it's yeah, very totally. orchestrated. You, you felt like they worked that out beforehand. Oh, totally. yeah. You got to have a powwow before that. Um, but anyway, yep. he, he relents and uh, pretty quickly shows them how it works. Like almost like no hesitation, right? All right, we're going to go to the 80s, I guess. And they, like you said, they go back and see the bus stop. They see Ulrich, and uh, Bartosz is like, "Happy now? Uh, do you believe me?" They believe pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, how hard would it be to if you if you had a group of maybe say fifteen people? How hard would it be to move a couch, to uh, put a couple posters on a bus on a bus stop, and then <laughs> you know buy a couple of cars and paint them a certain color? 
Like, yeah. you could do that pretty easily. You could, but also, you know what I mean? like, would Bartosz have, I, like, the I force? I wish they would have gone somewhere, like, seen people, seen Mikel, seen, you know, um, their family members younger, you know? <laughs> what? They don't do any of that. And, and it's kind of like, really? Like, you, don't you want to, you know, need to see a little <laughs> bit more, at least in my mind? I guess that's true, but while, um, I guess... I guess it would be a pretty elaborate plan for Bartosz to like for, foresee that he's going to get beat up and then, uh, and then like have this happen. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they were in the cave, they come out. Like I guess Bartosz, it would be very hard for Bartosz to set all this up. I guess I, I, I it is possible. It, it would be very tough for him to orchestrate being tied up in the cave. I guess I'm giving him the credit of Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe that's on me, but. I was just thinking conceptually it could happen. Bar- Bartosz <laughs> would be like an all-time mastermind. I mean, what you're saying is the more reasonable thing, right? I mean, if this happened in real life, absolutely what you're saying is like the more reasonable outcome than time travel. So, but I guess like in this world, <laughs> things are, maybe it's a little more believable with everything that's been happening in this town. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think it is more believable, but part of me is just like, you could, you could pull this off. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could. It's possible. It's possible. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. And then the other big storyline was Clausen and uh, Hannah and uh, Katarina kind of getting in the interview as well. What I wanted to say was, you know, when Clausen asked Kat if she knew the stranger, like, you know, fantastic drawing by whoever did the, you know, uh, sketch work there. Yep. I think she's just so obvious because at first she does a good job. She like lies right away. But then she looks at Hannah. And it's, like, so obvious that she's like, see, I lied for you, or something like that. You know what I mean? I just felt like that look was a dead giveaway. It is. I mean, it's almost like she's, like, um, she says she lies because that, that's what she needs to do because we stick out for each other and, and win them. Mm-hmm. However, then immediately turns to Hannah and essentially gives her an F you <laughs> by, by lingering and giving her that look. As like, hey, I'm doing this for you, and I don't like you, essentially. <laughs> yeah, they cut to Klaus, and he's, like, eating popcorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, so then he also interviews Hannah, too, and he lets her know that he knows about the wire transfer that Hannah is still giving or getting from Alexander Tiedemann. And, you know, Hannah, she avoids the question, too, like we've been talking about. She doesn't answer this question. Um, I thought she could have come up with an explanation like, uh, you know, that's my fantasy Bundesliga waiver wire every week. That's uh, <laughs> We're in a high-stakes league. High-stakes league. This I'm the commissioner. High-stakes league here. Clausen, you need to understand there's a lot of money at stake, and, you know, I, I make good picks here. That's what I'm doing. I, I run a strict uh, – I'm, I'm the commissioner. I'm strict about it. You need to pay money every week for the fantasy – the waiver wire or you're out of the league. <laughs> but what does she say though? She does. She just kind of like moves. Moves. She doesn't answer the question. She, yeah. She she does the you know she does the Adam from early in the episode. She, she well. just doesn't answer it. You just kind of walk away and then like you know start talking about something different. Yeah, it's in the gene pool, so it's like I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Clausen. You know, uh, he is doing detective work. He did find that wire transfer, so I guess good on him for that. But uh, he is really <laughs> like. <laughs> everybody in town knows about Hannah and Ulrich, right? And, uh, you know, Hannah, like, it does look like she wants to smack him when he starts talking about, like, sharing beds. But it's just like, man, everybody knows about this. Except Katarina seems like maybe she was the last to know. Yeah, he he does the whole, like, I guess we all share secrets. 
and beds yeah, geez. and bank accounts here and, yeah. <laughs> and when that, which is, which is something that would get a lot of guys slapped, but, um, you know, he has leverage in the situation, right? And yeah. she's, you know, kind of, um, you know, essentially abetting the person that he has under suspicion and she doesn't want to rock the boat, right? No, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he's doing a lot of editorializing about the people of Wyndon. I'd be like, hey, leave our town alone, fella. <laughs> the other thing, okay, the other thing I like, uh, you know, so Hannah's ripping up family pictures like Cersei rips up the uh, written scrolls uh, to make a joke that's, uh, you know, yep. a few years old now. But <laughs> but she, like, I just, she's so petty. Like, she's in the middle of, like, taking Mikel out of the picture when Katarina knocks on her door. You know, I, I, I've been, you know, I woke up... Uh, early this morning and then the rest of the time preparing for the episode i was just printing out old pictures on facebook and um you know ripping out my enemies folding them out of the picture it's really satisfying <laughs> <laughs> it really does a lot for me mentally <laughs> yeah you know speaking of pictures Jared, we see the pictures uh you know they're obviously supposed to be uh you know a mirror right of bartosh marta and Jonas in marta's room and then also we have yeah. hannah katarina and ulrich right what do you think about that yeah, no, it, 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 it's pretty neat. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And let's see here. I'm trying to think if I have anything else from the episode proper. I guess, you know, Elizabeth, when she's walking in the caves and she kind of notices something, she like looks back and then a second later, right after she goes in the caves, Noah pops out. That was pretty interesting. Uh, we know there's a connection between Love the two. Love that scene. Yeah. I, it's so creepy and it's so just, you know, classic dark. Well, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I wonder how many takes they had to do of Noah stepping from beyond the tree. Oh, no. Too fast there. Too fast. Go back. Do it again. Okay. Slower. 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 Creepier. <laughs> Creepier. Creepier. Uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. Do you have anything Do you have anything you want to bring up? I, I, you know, I think the majority of the rest of this, actually, everything else I want to talk about is probably spoiler worthy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm getting to that point as well. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, we talked about, you know, Nurse Enos, you know, pretty much the worst mother right now. She's drugging Mikhail constantly. Yeah, don't like that at all. You know, I, I did, you know, the, she, it seems like that one nurse is on to her. She's like, you know, Enos, that's like the fourth time you've got iodine today. Uh, <laughs> How much iodine could you possibly need? <laughs> it's not empty. I just checked. I literally was just there. Um, okay, so let's move on to spoilers. And thank you so much if you've been uh, listening and you are on your first time through. You can come check this out after you finish the whole series run. Uh, we're going to talk about the series from, or we're going to talk about the episode with a spoiler lens. So thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at WakeUpWinden. Email the show, wakeupwinden at gmail.com. And, you know, uh, on Apple Podcasts, if you could write a five-star review, that would be fantastic. All right. So spoiler time in five, four, three. Two, one. Jerry, I will let you lead off. What do you want to talk about with spoilers? Yeah, I got, I got two things, um, and and I think they're both uh, you know pretty important and, and just really cool. Rewatching this with the context with the context of um, having seen all the episodes. The first is the scene where we we have a lot of scenes where we start out with Jonas and Martha having sex, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. This is a constant beginning of episodes how many episodes? Yeah. Definitely. I feel like it's just, a, you know, maybe every other episode it starts off this way. And, yeah. you know, it's fine. I, I, I think it, it, it makes, there's a lot more meaning to it when we get to the third season. Yeah. However, 
in this one, we're in the second season, and all of a sudden, she's she's having sex with um, the older one. Jonas, yeah, which didn't like which that. I don't think it ever really happened. No, right? no, no. I mean, no. Yeah, it, and and then and it's his dream, but um, but what happens is that the something you know, kind of a god particle comes out of her from her stomach. Right, right, right. Definitely did not notice that until this viewing we were talking a little bit before the show right jaren that's uh kind of like the knot coming out of her stomach right yes it's the you know it's it's a symbolism of that character who we meet in the third season who doesn't really have a name and work, walks around with all three versions of himself and is extremely creepy and evil yes um that is what they're referring to and it, it's just kind of neat that they kind of set it up in season two it is yeah. no, it's amazing. Um, yeah. it, it, it's just really cool, and you know, when I first watched that, I probably thought it was a throwaway scene. It's a dream. It's you know, they're just kind of like you know, obviously dreams can mean things and they can symbolize things, but I didn't think it was that important. And now when I watch the season, it's like, oh, that was really important. <laughs> that was you really know, big. That, that, yeah. was, that was that was a nice precursor to what we're going to learn in season three. Yeah. And um, you know, another way that, that you know you got to tip your hat to Dark. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they do a wonderful job there. Yep, further evidence, you know, everything was planned, it was well-written, you know, airtight. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I liked that one. One I wanted to bring up was, you know, we, we kind of hinted at this in the episode, but, you know, Adam found the loophole, and he says that, Jonas, you need to give a push, but he doesn't know what that push is, but the push is, you know, leading his father to commit suicide. He's the one that tells him about the letter, and his father ends up making the noble choice that, hey, I want you to live. So I'm going to kill myself so that you can live, right? Right. And in addition to that, it's also Adam shooting Martha. Oh, right? God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's both of those things. I mean, it, it has to be. It, that's what he's referring to. Um, and, and, you know, one other thing that I wanted to talk about with Adam is when he talks about his enemy, he says his counterpart, counterpart. and his future I believe he's referring to God and time, but when I first watched, when I first did watch this this um, this episode, you know, before watching all the other episodes and everything like that, I always thought like, who is he referring to? Who's him? Like, I thought it was a person, and now I watched again. I think he's referring to God. Okay, that's interesting. You don't God think God being time, and, and and I I think it makes more sense because really, in reality, his enemy is is truly. Martha. That, well, that's who I thought he was referring show, to. We could think it could be Claudia, right? Yeah. But both of those are women, right? Mm-hmm. That's interesting because the. And, yeah. and I just thought that was interesting, but I think it, I think it, it goes back to what his conversation was before, which is he's going against God, and God is time. Yeah, what you makes what you said makes perfect sense. You know, with this episode and what he just said, I guess when he said his counterpart, I through through season three, I originally just thought of either Marta or Claudia. Uh, more towards Marta because I don't know how much she knows about Claudia and correct. How much does he know about Claudia? I think he knows a lot. About a fair them. amount. He does. He, I, she's I mean, in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, he does. knows a lot. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, from all the episodes, right? They have that year where they time travel. And then they're together. They yeah, yeah. Forget what I said. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. They, they're they're very familiar with each other. They definitely are. They spent like twenty years together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that is true. So he does know a ton about her. But yeah, so I, yeah, I wonder who he is referring to if we, you know, if we ever get Baron Odour on the show, Jay, that'll be my first question, so. I think, you know, in my mind, when I, when I watch it again, I think he's just referring to time. And he's, he's going along this time of, this time is the enemy, time is God. 
um, you know, there's light and there's dark, but there's always time. We need to kind of essentially remove time. And I think that's what he's talking about, but I don't think he's talking truthfully. I think he is doing this to put up a facade for Jonas, and I think he's not really sharing his true feelings there. I think he's being deceitful. Yeah, well, he always is, right? And especially, you know, he's... (laughs) Which is not a surprise. Yeah. We watched all the episodes. I yeah. think it's very clear that that's what he's doing. Yeah, his whole life at this point is manipulation. So, but it's awesome yeah. that he's yeah. also getting manipulated in the end. So, there is that. <laughs> okay, and how about we know the people in the bunker, right? Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's going to be Elizabeth, Noah, and is it going to be the teens too? Who else is in that bunker? Yeah, there's a couple of I, well, Regina's in there. That's right? Regina. Yeah, Regina, Regina. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yep. Regina's in there. Um. There's, uh, is Peter's in there. And Peter. And Peter, Ellie. yeah. Because the teens yeah. escaped by time travel, so they're not in there. Teens, the teens escaped, so Martha, Francesca, um, Bartosh, Magnus, Bartosh, mm-hmm. and Stranger Jonas. Yeah, they all, all go, go together. together. That's right. Via time machine. Right, that's exactly right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm one of them. I've, uh, I've, I, you know when Jonas pulls out the gun to, like, you know, keep Martha to keep Martha like safe and the I don't care I think it's in the last episode that moment's so jarring for me like where he just like goes from like oh, it is. 60 to like it goes it goes so fast to like a high escalation I'm like whoa what the hell Jonas yeah. it totally is yeah absolutely yeah so I, I uh yeah, it's like what the hell what are you doing <laughs> but uh desperate <laughs> what is going on desperate times I guess and then I think I have a, at least one more spoiler note but I'll let you go if you have an uh do you have another spoiler note before I say my next one no, I'm ready for your next one. Okay, so the other one, I, I, uh, we were talking about this a little bit pre-show too, but when uh, Stranger Jonas comes back, and we, I guess we didn't talk too much about this, but like he really has turned on his mom, Hannah, right, at this point? And yes. he tells her that you need no one. And she will later tell Ulrich, I think she says that I need no one later on when she kind of leaves him <laughs> in the 50s again. And then you were, um, you were saying, do you want to talk about how you know, it's weird that Jonas just kind of turned on a dime on Hannah. He totally does. In this episode, he comes back home, and it's because he comes to the realization and to the acknowledgement that she's been cheating on his father and that she doesn't love his father. And I think when he asked her that point blank, you know, will you at least love Dad more than you love Ulrich? And, or you loved Ulrich, and he, she doesn't deny that. And I think that's probably part of what leads him to kill her eventually yeah. in the third season. Yep. Yeah. You know, it in that situation, be- you know, honestly, it might be the best policy, but you got to lie if you're Hannah there, like to your son. You, got, you have to. You have to you lie. You have to. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't, right? She, uh, that's more avoiding, the, more avoiding the question, right? I don't think. Yeah. She doesn't even yep. answer. But it's avoiding the question, but within doing that, you tell the truth. Yeah. Exactly. No. It's very clear for very trainer, clear. you know, to figure yeah. out what the answer yeah. is. Yeah. What if instead of in like what if in response she like held up the folded picture and like slowly tore the <laughs> tore him, tore Mikel out of it? <laughs> that would have that been, been great. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we missed an opportunity with that one. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Hannah is so petty. It's amazing. It is. All it right. Uh, <laughs> Do you feel bad for the old orderly when uh, <laughs> when Ulrich knocked him out? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. I felt bad for that guy. Yeah, he was he just, you know, 
I get, I definitely get Ulrich's motivation, but yeah, that was, that was rough for that poor guy. Um, yeah, you could tell he trusted Ulrich too. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, everybody liked Ulrich were, there. Yeah, the captain, the yeah, commander, the inspector. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all liked him there. You know, he's he's been there forever. Like he's been there for longer than a lot of. The, I mean, you know, almost all the orderlies probably. So yeah, they definitely oh, have a totally. relationship with him. Yeah. Uh, the other funny thing, Jared, the French delegation continues to wait. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> never going to meet with them. Never. Yeah. Uh, France is going to start a war on Germany. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the alternate timeline here, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, it, I think it definitely will happen in the next three episodes. I think, I think it just continues. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. So, and then Burned. Uh, burned, I guess, the other thing we talk about as far as Burned is Regina's father, ultimately, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Which is still wild to me. But it is. Yeah. It is. I don't know. I kinda liked think I I kinda liked it when I thought Toronto was her father. I don't know why, but I, I, that makes more sense to me in my head. I like I like the twist. Yeah. But they they I definitely Yeah. It's it, you know, I wouldn't wanna be boring to just predict everything for a show, so I guess that's good. I mean I predicted nothing for the show. The show uh <laughs> it was very hard to predict. <laughs> but <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's all I've got for this episode, Jared, but I think we've done a good job yeah, of covering this one. me too. Yeah, all right. So thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and, uh, you know, go uh, fold up some pictures of your enemies. It'll make you feel better. And uh, <laughs> hope you have a great day, everybody. <laughs>